Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotional. In just a minute, I want to read from this brand new daily reader from uh, N.T. Wright. It's called On Earth as in Heaven. And it, of course, is a, a collection of his writings from a variety of different books. But in this particular reading, I want to offer uh, to you today is uh, sort of spinning off of a passage in 2 Corinthians chapters 5 and 6, begins with the uh, last little bit of uh, verse 20 there, where it says, We implore you, the Apostle Paul says, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And we could stop right there and camp out. I mean, you know, that'd be that'd be worth 15 minutes of our time, wouldn't it? Just to think about that and to think about the possibility of that and how God has made it possible. Um, the next verse is one of my very favorites from the Apostle Paul, verse 21. Um, God made him, meaning Christ, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him, meaning Christ, we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that is just such a game changer, you know, when it gets right down to when you think about what's unique about the Christian faith. Well, there it is right there in a nutshell. Uh, The Son of God, the sinless one, became sin. Uh, took my sin upon himself, went to the cross, uh, that I might have the righteousness of Christ, and that is, and that you might have that as well. And that that is just mind blowing, heart thumping, eye popping good news. I'm loving that. But when the Apostle Paul wrote that to the people uh, in the ancient church at Corinth. He didn't stop there. A lot of our, you know, a lot of us think that the, you know, chapter breaks and the verse breaks and all that sort of thing were in the original. They're not. They were they were added much, much later. So Paul continues with his thinking there, and he moves right into as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And I I love this. Now, the Apostle Paul, for just a few more verses, is going to talk about some of the hardships that he had to endure. Um, All this great news from heaven, great news from, you know, springing from the finished work of Christ. Uh, But is true that that the Apostle Paul and we ourselves are navigating in a world that's fallen, a world that's not necessarily friendly to our faith. Listen to the way the Apostle Paul describes his own hardships. We, he's talking about his traveling ministerial team as they, you know, were, were, uh, Uh, ministering to the folks in Corinth and as they write to them, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness. 
in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Wow, that's just so jam-packed. And those those uh, lists, that list of things there, um, the kinds of descriptions that you wouldn't think would go together, and yet they do in his own experience and probably in the experience of many of us to some level or to some degree. Well, please turn to uh, N.T. Wright's, uh, got a few comments he would like to make. As I say, this is a, uh, a book called On Earth as in Heaven Daily Wisdom for 21st Century Christians. Just come out here um, as I'm recording this in March of 2022. I don't know when you might be listening or reading to it, but uh, just on the flyleaf there, um, as a description, it says here, from leading Bible scholar, New York Times bestselling author N.T. Wright, comes a fresh, invigorating selection of 365 inspiring readings that offer readers a chance to engage with um, the former uh, Bishop of Durham and one of the leading New Testament scholars in the world for sure, currently serving as a senior uh, research fellow at Wycliffe Hall in Oxford, England there, and was the chair of New Testament and early Christianity at the School of Divinity at the University of St. Andrews. So truly one of the world's leading New Testament scholars. Um, uh, I have read many of his books, quoted from him many times. Don't happen to agree with him on every single thing. And I'm, he, he doesn't even know me, so he doesn't know if he agrees with me or not. But uh, nonetheless, I am always inspired and he's always thoughtful. And I think it's important for us to be able to uh, uh, to learn from others. And so I read N.T. Wright and I would like to read N.T. Wright to you as well. Uh, this is, uh, I'm going to read you three little paragraphs. Each one is from uh, a different uh, one of his books. This one's from The Day the Revolution Began. That's the name of uh, his book. The subtitle uh, actually has changed over the years. It was uh, once it was reconsidering the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion. I've seen it as uh, rethinking the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion. But he titles this particular selection, it's just one paragraph, as I say, and he, he titles this, The Cost of Discipleship. And when you think back to the passage I just read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the end there of chapter 5 and what we call the first 10 verses of chapter 6, um, you'll see why he calls this the cost of discipleship. When I was growing up, N.T. Wright says, all the local towns and villages had their own war memorials from World Wars One and Two. I knew many families, including my own, who had lost one, two, or more members in those conflicts, and we solemnly remembered them year after year. In ancient Galilee, even without stone memorials to the rebels who had died, 
the towns and villages in which Jesus announced God's kingdom would have had similar memories of people known, loved, and lost to Roman brutality. Uh, When he told his followers to pick up their own crosses and follow him, they would not have heard this as a metaphor. And that's from the day the revolution began reconsidering the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, Yeah, as we were reading that passage from 2 Corinthians and thinking about the church in Corinth, thinking about the Apostle Paul, who was uh, himself a Jewish person, but he also was a Roman citizen, had a very... uh, uh, sort of unusual background uh, for that time and his understanding of uh, uh, both Jewish and Gentile mindsets very helpful as we read his letter to the Romans, for instance, or First and Second Corinthians or any of his other epistles. But here N.T. Wright is helping us to understand um, that the world that you and I live in is probably pretty different from the world of the first century Roman Empire when the gospel is spreading throughout the Mediterranean and uh, certainly during the time of Jesus as he's walking around and talking to people and telling them that to follow him, they're going to have to take up their cross and deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. They would have heard that much differently than you and I do. Most of us in our own day and time don't think of the cross uh, as a means of execution. We think of it more as an item of jewelry or perhaps something that uh, serves as a religious symbol on the outside of a building. And so uh, the cost of discipleship is great. And uh, as we read there in Second Corinthians, uh, we see that the Apostle Paul really experienced that uh, in, a, in a way most of us won't ever have to. The second reading is from Surprised by Scripture by N.T. Wright. That was published in, uh, I think it was 2015. And I love the title, a little bit of a play on words, uh, a C.S. Lewis book. Uh, some of you are familiar with. This is a single paragraph again, and he titles this selected uh, reading, The Line Between Good and Evil Runs Down the Middle of Each of Us. And that's a a great little statement in and of itself, chock full of uh, something to think about. He says, The line between good and evil does not lie between us and them, between the West and the rest, between left and and right between rich and poor. That fateful line runs down the middle of each of us, every human society, every individual. This is not to say that all humans and all societies are equally good or bad, far from it, merely that we are all infected and that all easy attempts to see the problem in terms of us and them are fatally flawed. Ah, that's that's really good. That's a very balanced view, I think, isn't it? Um, we've talked about it here at the Village Chapel quite a bit. There, for the Christian, there is no repugnant other uh, in society. There's 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 no one that we think is beyond God's grace. Uh, as long as somebody's breathing and has a heartbeat, we're praying for their salvation, for their redemption. Um, we're not ever going to give up, and uh, and 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 we see God's grace as that powerful, that transforming. 
that it could melt even the heart of stone. And so we don't look down on others just because they're not from our side of the political aisle or our side of the world or because they have um, a different color of skin or a different upbringing or background or different sociological uh, or economical or educational background than we do. Um, the line between good and evil runs down the middle of each of us. In other words, every one of us needs this redemption. And the good news is the Christian faith, the good news of the gospel, it's on offer. It's a universal offer. It's for all who repent and believe. Is that you? Uh, has that been you? Let's walk in the light of the grace and mercy that's been shown to us. Sorry, one one more. I've got just a, another uh, few minutes here so I can give you one more paragraph. Uh, this paragraph is from the, the first book I quoted from the day the revolution began rediscovering or rethinking the crucifixion of Jesus. And he titles this The Nailed Vocation of Crucifixion Revolutionaries. <laughs> just even the titles of these uh, selections to me are worth worth the, the, the purchase of the book. And again, the book's called uh, On Earth As in Heaven by N.T. Wright. Um, here's the paragraph. Those who are working for justice and beauty, just like those who are working to bring a fresh new articulation of the good news so that people may believe, must themselves have the same things etched, perhaps nailed into their own lives. It will be painful. That is part of the point, not that we seek the pain, but that we seek to follow Jesus. Holiness and mission are two sides of the same coin. Both involve bringing the reign of Jesus to bear in places where up to now the powers have held sway. The powers will not give in without a fight, but exactly as with Jesus himself and exactly as he told his first followers, the fight itself and the suffering it involves of whatever sort are not incidental. Hmm. The insight at the heart of Jesus' own vocation was that suffering would not simply be the dark tunnel through which Israel would pass to God's future. It would somehow be the means by which that future would be achieved. Most Christians today do not see things like this. Once we realize that we are part of the revolutionary movement that began at the cross, it may become clear once again, as it was to the first generation of Jesus' followers. Wow. So the gospel not only changes our view of life and death, but of suffering as well. And so when you read that passage from 2 Corinthians 5, I think it's verses 20, uh, on through into chapter 6, verse 10, which I encourage you to go back and read on your own. And then you consider some of what uh, uh, N.T. Wright has put here uh, in these three paragraphs. Man, I don't know about you, but it sort of changes our perspective on the world in which we live, the struggles that we must bear and endure and the meaning and purpose of all of those as well. Uh, may the glory of God be poured through all of that, just as it was 
at the cross the day that Jesus died for my sin and for yours as well. Let me pray for us. Lord, even as we think about these uh, kind of weighty matters, if you will, um, we don't do so in, in, a, in a way that leads us to despair, but rather to wonder, to amazement and astonishment that you would leave the comforts of heaven, that you would come and confine yourself into a human being, become one of us, die for us. That blows our mind. That you rose again from the grave fills us with hope. And I pray that all of us would walk in the light of these truths today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Bless you. Have a great one. This podcast is a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. Don't forget to also subscribe to one of our other podcasts, Curate's Corner with Kim Thomas. Every Friday throughout the season of Lent, join Kim as she looks at the story of Jesus' last week as told through classic art, prayers, and scriptures. You can subscribe to her podcast on all major platforms, including the Village Chapel YouTube channel, and you can find accompanying resources at lent.thevillagechapel.com. If you find this daily devotional beneficial, leave a review and share it with friends and family. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com. Artwork for this podcast by Kim Thomas. Music by Phil Kagey.